Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Dolph fans and welcome into the Wednesday, September the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got so much to cover with this team that we are going to bump crossover Wednesday. In its place, a complete evaluation of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, where the franchise goes from here, and Chris Greer's declarations at his first press availability since the winter. Plus, we'll finish up with some of the all 22 notes and scheme breakdowns from Sunday's game, positive notes. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Tuned In. And once you have done that, leave us a rating and a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Winkfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And the show is at Locked On Fins. We have tons of content up on LockedOnDolphins.com, including Tank Central, where you can track this team's draft picks and the schedules of the teams the Dolphins have those high picks from. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. That's another Miami Dolphins. And just to be real blunt about this, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys game on tomorrow's show. I'll preview that game in full with the scheme and the players and the projected outcome for you guys. We'll have the mailbag and the lock of the week later in the week as well. So all of that's coming. I just wanted to get to this information first because I think the long-term scope of things and going over this Minka Fitzpatrick trade is just a little more... It's a little more valuable and important than that Dallas Cowboys game, which is going to be an absolute runaway for Dallas. So let's start here with the value of that Fitzpatrick trade. A lot more draft picks have traded hands in this one, just like all of the Dolphins' other trades this offseason. Miami gets Pittsburgh first round pick next year, and more on that in just one moment. But they also get a fifth round pick in 2020 and a sixth round draft pick in 2021. The Steelers get back Minka Fitzpatrick, Miami's fourth round pick, which comes from Tennessee because the other fourth round pick went to Houston in the Tunzel trade. So the pick for Ryan Tannehill is now gone in Pittsburgh. They also get the Dolphins' seventh round draft pick in 2021. So now Miami are sitting on the following draft picks for the next two seasons. And I can confirm these picks because I see a lot of folks tweeting about the actual pick haul the Dolphins have. They're almost all wrong, no matter where you find them. I had to dig deep to find this, and here's what I've got. The Dolphins own three first-round draft picks next year, their own, Pittsburgh's, and Houston's. They own two second-round picks, their own, and New Orleans. Two third-round picks, their own, and a compensatory pick coming back for Jawan James. They do not pick in the fourth round. They have two picks in the fifth round, Pittsburgh's pick, and a projected compensatory pick for Cam Wake. They have two picks in the sixth round, one from Dallas in the Robert Quinn trade, and one from the Colts in the swap for Evan Bohm and that draft pick swap. And they have zero picks in the seventh round. That's 11 total. Four or five of those projected to be in the top 50. Depends where the Saints finish now with that Drew Brees injury. And six picks now in the top 100 in next year's class. In 2021, 
two first-round picks, two second-round picks, one pick in the third, fourth, and fifth round, two picks in the sixth, and zero picks in the seventh. That's nine total. That's two or four picks projected in the top 50, depending on where Miami and Houston finish, and five to six picks in the top 100. Over the two years, the Dolphins have 21 draft picks and, of course, upwards of $150 million in salary cap to spend next offseason. And you guys can find all that information up on LockedOnDolphins.com in the Tank Central. I also have the Steelers and Texans schedules in there. And I have the Texans, or the Steelers rather, finishing at 5-11 and this season with the projected 7th overall draft pick. So I assume Miami has two picks in the top seven. That's what I'm going with. And the options from there are absolutely endless. And we'll get to that in just one moment. But consider the value that Chris Greer has suddenly manufactured from those two players. Plus, of course, Kenny Stills. Don't forget him involved in all of this. So where Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars is rumored to be going for something like a first and maybe another pick, like a third, possibly a two. But let's say that Ramsey does go for a first and a third. Jalen Ramsey went to two Pro Bowls in his career. He's 24 years old and he has a first team all pro in his back pocket already in his career. And he's going to bring back a first and a third round draft pick. Miami got three first and a second round pick out of a 2016 13th overall pick and the 2018 11th overall pick. Just think about that value for a second. Four premium picks for those spots, and one of those guys might have been drafted lower than the pick that comes back in return for him winds up being with Pittsburgh. In fact, if you go to FPI, the football index, they say there's a 69% chance that pick lands in the top 10 and a 23% chance that pick lands in the top five. Just absolutely insane value when you consider how Chris Greer has managed to get resources out of his own resources and taken advantage of a a buyer's market, so to speak. And yeah, you might not like losing the talent. I certainly don't. But these are tremendous, tremendous returns on investment values. There's just no denying that the Dolphins simply had their hands tied. That's all there is to it. And that was what Chris told us in the press conference on Tuesday, his first media availability since all the way back in February. There were three topics that I thought were worth mentioning. And first, a reporter asked if this was always the plan. And while Chris Greer reiterated and even imitated Stephen Ross's comments about not doing the same things over and over again, the definition of insanity and the commitment to the rebuild, he did say that Laramie Tunzel and Minka Fitzpatrick situations were unique and rare opportunities. And like we said, he's very right in that turning an offensive lineman into three premium picks and discarding a disgruntled player in exchange for what's more than likely a top 10 pick next year. That's the type of ruthless business-like approach, not caring about personalities in this industry that you'd see from a New England Patriots team. So kudos to Chris Greer for that. Of course, they have to hit the picks. I know you guys can tweet me that all season long and all off season long. I'm aware they have to hit the picks for it to be worth it, but the return on investment was tremendous. Point number two, he was asked about free agency and the mandate for this coming March with all that cap space, and he said the Dolphins will be aggressive in their pursuit of using up all of that cap space, that sweet, sweet cap space, which is roughly around 130 to 150 million, depending on where you look. You could really add three or four plug and play type of starters in that situation, in that realm, and still have plenty of money left over, whether it's Jack Conklin and Brandon Scherf or Vaughn Bell or Amari. 
Amari Cooper, and the only player they'd maybe lose in the compensatory formula would be Kenyon Drake, who might not even survive this week anyway, or up to the trade deadline. So with no comp picks to entice them to sit on their hands in free agency, and Steven Ross's complete lack of interest in doing this tank for more than one year, that's a sure thing. You're going to see the Dolphins attempt to put together a winner on the field for next year. Next year, Dolphins. One year of sucking for a much better product with a bright future. All well worth it, if you ask me. One thing is for certain, it's never boring with this team. And when we come back in the second segment, we'll discuss the third point at Greer's Presser. We'll talk more about the future of the organization, the negatives, the positives, how it could all unfold, all of that next. But first, are you guys trying to get back into shape, but you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout from the convenience of your own home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get started. And everybody knows once you get back into shape, you feel a little more sexy. You get out of the shower, you keep that shirt off, maybe you open the towel and show the wife the goods. Well, make sure your goods are working with Blue Chew. Listen up, fellas. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, tanking, going for a title, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill or as a rebuild, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package like a brand new free agent prize. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I used to pick my song choices based upon just what I was feeling that day in terms of my favorite music, but now I try to tie it all together to my feelings towards this team, how we all feel about the Miami Dolphins, and I think the first of the month, we just got that OG check. It's time to go out and spend some money in free agency and all those draft picks. I'm feeling great about this franchise right now, and I'm going to get right back into why I'm feeling that way here in just one minute, but I want to tell you guys about a nice little story in my class today at Washington State University, Tri-Cities Campus. I had to present one of my graphic images I made and I turned the fine dog meme. We had to take a meme, turn it into a physical recreation and put it back into a digital creation. And I turned the fine dog meme with the Miami Dolphins hat into a physical creation and then made it digitally again. And I put the Dolphins and Ravens scoreboard up on the top of the image and the class loved it. They thought it was hilarious. He was burning down as the Dolphins lost by 49 points. But the good thing is, those losses are going to pay off on the back end, and I want to jump right back here into Chris Greer's press conference. We talked about the aggressive nature of free agency. We talked about Chris Greer's return on investment for those trades he made. Those were two of the key points. The third key point that I thought was very interesting, 
kind of tells you a little bit about the offense and Josh Rosen in general, and it was in regards to the Dolphins' 22-year-old quarterback and the patience this team has with him. He said, Chris Greer that is, said that Josh will even tell you that he's learned more football in the last six months than he did his entire football career, which we'll get to some of the complex concepts of the offense and defense in the final segment today, but he's right. This is a complicated system, and they're only concerned about developing Rosen. What is the point of putting him out there? I've always said that Josh Rosen's acquisition was not about this season, but rather the future. That's what they want to get out of him. They want to develop him in the scheme and get him comfortable. And maybe he's your backup to Tua Tungavailoa. Maybe he's your Kirk Cousins. You don't have to draft in the fourth round behind Robert Griffin. Maybe he's the guy that can come off the bench if Tua takes a nick or some sort and has to come out of the game and Rosen knows the offense and can spark you and lead you to a win and then maybe you can trade him down the line maybe he walks in free agency and you get a compensatory pick for him the plan for Josh Rosen he's here for two million bucks a year each of the next three years he's cheap just keep him develop him that's what you would do if you had drafted a quarterback 58th overall just as the Dolphins used the 58th pick to go get Josh Rosen look at Drew Locke in Denver he's not even playing this year they put him on the IR with what was not a season ending injury because they want to develop him so he could be your Kirk Cousins, a good backup. You develop him. That's the key. And as far as the rest of this roster goes, this team, quite frankly, is going to be unrecognizable from when Adam Gase was the coach. And I think we're all completely fine with that. This team needed a hard left turn, and that's what we've seen. And speaking of Gaze here real quick, how are Jets fans feeling right now? Now that Jamal Adams, of all people, their superstar safety wants out of New York, which is just hilarious, it got me thinking about this, that Miami, yeah, get your punches in right now because this team is the punching bag. Sure, we'll take it, but I promise you this, in a couple of months, at least one-third of the league, and the Jets right now probably are already one of those teams, wishes they were in the Dolphins' position. Nobody is set up well to be a damn good team in the future better than Miami is, and just like the Astros did it in baseball, that's the vision here for the Dolphins. We can go on and on about that, and I will talk about the potential negative aspect of this as well as the potential positive outcome, but think about how you could do things this offseason. First, there are endless options, but we know it all starts with Tua and that first pick in the draft. Then you get to work on building a team around Tua Tungavailoa, and you make him the face. The name that goes up on the marquee is going to be him for this franchise. I still contend that they can round out some starting spots on the offensive line via free agency. In fact, I would prefer that, maybe even so much that you enter this draft with Jesse Davis as your left tackle. Not great, but it's okay, I suppose. Michael Dieter as your left guard. Brandon Scherf, a free agent from Washington, who is reportedly, quote-unquote, far apart from a new deal with Washington as your right guard. And Jack Conklin, who is not even close to having a new contract in Tennessee either at right tackle. You have those four guys by the time you enter the draft. You then come back with Tua and that pick from the Steelers. You nail down Jerry Judy, so he has his favorite receiver target. The best route runner in college football. Crazy explosive, can stop on a dime, can take a screen to the house, can run any route in the tree, can go up top vertically. A surefire stud at the position. And Daniel Jeremiah of the Move the Sticks podcast said, 
The best receivers coming into the league now are the guys that are the best, most fluid, most nuanced route runners, and that's so true. Guys like Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, that's the new mold for how guys win in the league immediately with nuance as route runners, and that's what Jerry Judy is. So Tua and Judy, then you come back with the Texans pick and go after a Creed Humphrey, the center for the Oklahoma offense, and he could be your captain of that offensive line for a decade. Suddenly, you've got Tua behind a line of Davis, Dieter, Humphrey, Scherf, and Conklin. You've got Preston Williams and Jerry Judy and Jakeem Grant, maybe even Albert Wilson if he's healthy out wide. I mean, yowza. That's the best offense this team has had since the 1980s. I don't care what you say. It is. And again, these options are completely endless. You can play this game all night long, all month long, all the way till April, and I'm sure we will. So fill them out as you see fit. But let's talk about some of the important factors here. First, the team culture. And I know that's such a tired term thrown around the entire National Football League, but consider this. Jesse Davis, just one or two days after he receives that extension, talks about buy-in and how the sooner we get everybody to buy in, the faster this process will unfold. And it's conforming to the style of this team and this coaching staff and the mantra they want to build, team first, hard work, earn everything you get, that type of team first mentality. Devon Godshaw has talked about it. Chris Greer told us in that press conference that Xavier Howard reached out to him this morning and he's good to go. He wants to be here. He is all in on this rebuild, despite his hilarious tweet with Will Smith, the Fresh Prince, when he's in the living room, when everything's moved out. I think it's the final episode. A great tweet, but he's excited about the future here. They want guys that will buy into the team concept. Minka was not that, so he's gone. That's what this year is about. Finding out which guys are going to be long-term Miami Dolphins that can add to your core you're going to establish in 2020 and 2021. You get that buy-in to the scheme and you develop that core around a quarterback who, let's be honest, for all intents and purposes here, you take a quarterback number one, you expect that guy to be a star player that can elevate the entire rest of your roster. That's quite literally half of the battle in becoming a perpetual championship contender. We saw Breeze and Rodgers carry the Packers and Saints teams for years. We are seeing Trubisky and Cousins severely hamstring their loaded rosters in Minnesota and Chicago right now. The Dolphins are going to be in a very, very unique situation like the Seahawks early in the Russell Wilson era or like the Eagles early on with Carson Wentz to build that competitive roster from the top to the bottom and to do it with a supremely gifted special quarterback. It's rare and it's exciting and you should be very excited about it. Maybe not now, but a year from now, you should be. And if you're concerned about Chris Greer's drafting, consider this. Drafting good football players is so much easier than trying to fill some mandate for specific needs on the roster, like Charles Harris, for instance. Charles Harris was a handcuff to a woeful decision to sign Andre Branch to a big extension, and that was done because the defensive end market had dried up in free agency before it even started, it was depleted, and all Miami had was a little bit of cash and the 22nd pick in the draft to go after their best own available free agent in Andre Branch and take a shitty draft pick in Charles Harris. But when Chris Greer has taken the best football player on the board, he's done well with that. See Laramie Tunzel. Miami already had Jawan James and Brandon Albert, but he just took the best player on the board. Miami can quite literally do that nine times over. Did you hear that right? 
nine times, nine picks in the top two rounds over the next two drafts. Assuming you hit on just five of those, and let's go ahead and count the quarterback as one. So you hit on four out of eight of those. That's a damn solid core of young players that you infuse with Xavier Howard, Devon Godshaw, Jerome Baker, Christian Wilkins. I'm going to throw Preston Williams, and I'm also going to toss Raekwon McMillan in there. So now we're talking about a great quarterback and 10 good young players around him. And that's before you factor in free agency and rounds three through seven of the draft and trades. I've said it before, this is going to be hard to screw up. It really will be. Now, if you want to hear me play devil's advocate, it's not how I feel, but I think we have to at least approach this with the idea this could all fail. If you only hit on a few of those picks and the quarterback busts, then we're in a pretty miserable spot in 2022 or whenever this all comes to fruition. And that's just kind of the reality of the NFL. If you miss on the quarterback, you lose your job. That's how it goes. And since none of this works without the quarterback, why not put yourself in position to select not only the best quarterback in this class, but probably the best quarterback since Andrew Luck came out in 2012. Again, this has all been very, very well conceived. They've stuck to the plan and they've executed it brilliantly. This is going to turn out like one of two movies, in my opinion. It either turns into Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, where everyone thinks they're crazy and it winds up working in the end as they develop one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, or it turns into the movie Major League, where Rachel Phelps is trying to sell the team to Miami from Cleveland and signs a bunch of bums in the interim. I want to hear your guys' suggestions for which players are which characters in each of those two movies. Who fills out the Lou Brown, the Jake Taylor, the Wesley Snipes role? Who are those guys from this Miami Dolphins team? Who is Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill and Jeremy Giambi and everybody from Moneyball? Tell me those characters. I want to hear it on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. And while you guys are taking orders from me at the end of a hard week, it's just great to sit down, take some time off and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sideline with nobody to stop them. There is nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. Do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, it's where you should play too. I wouldn't be telling you guys about them if they weren't the best in the biz, and if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, who doesn't? Try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Just to go back over the New Orleans Saints and the Pittsburgh Steelers and Houston Texans and all these teams we now have a vested interest in that isn't rooting against the Patriots or the Jets or the Bills. In fact, you might have to root for a couple of those teams at some point this season as it benefits the Dolphins draft picks. But the Saints pick, to me, 
is about to go into the top 50 of the draft if you watched Teddy Bridgewater the other day, which also has double meaning for the Dolphins because that was a guy that was supposed to command this tank but couldn't find an agreement with the Miami Dolphins. The Steelers are on to Mason Rudolph with AB and Le'Veon Bell now gone. James Conner has a knee injury that he says is not serious, but those things, they do have a way of lingering and sticking around, kind of like Doug Baldwin last year, just never got back to full strength. Plus, the loss of Mike Munchak has already been felt on that offensive line. I've said it already, that pick is going to be high. Now we just need the Texans to crap the bed and get Miami three top 10 picks. Can you imagine how much fun that will be? One thing's for sure, I'll be the busiest guy on draft night doing all those write-ups, and I'm going to have something special for you guys once the Dolphins do I guess, clinch that first overall pick. I'm going to have a very good project for you. I'm sure you know where this is going, but it'll be out sometime around Thanksgiving, maybe, maybe around Christmas. We'll see. But that's enough for the future, or is it? Let's get into this film review from the game on Sunday and talk about some of the concepts we're seeing that will benefit these future draft picks one day once the Dolphins are competitive from a talent standpoint. And don't mistake this as me trying to plug in all these Patriots euphemisms and concepts into this Dolphins regime. There will be a lot of them, and Brian Flores will put his own twist on it, but I just think it's good to measure yourself to that franchise because they do things so well. And the first thing I noticed on this film, which was a tough watch on offense especially, but the first thing I noticed is that you can have and this is obvious, I think, but you can have eight or nine guys execute their job on the play, but one guy messes up and it ruins the entire play. The very first play in this game, the Dolphins block it up beautifully. Dan Kilgore hits a good combination block. Danny Isadora chips and climbs. Michael Dieter and Jesse Davis both seal. And Jamarcus Webb does just enough to hold off his edge. But Durham Smythe gets smoked and the play goes nowhere. And part of that was because Kalen Balaj was too indecisive in his decision making and didn't find the hole with conviction, which, by the way, Kalen Balaj, my goodness, he's playing awful. And that goes beyond just the drop passes, the negative production. He's just not seeing things at all. And that was the knock on him in college. So that's a bit concerning. But the Dolphins offensive line, it seems to be situations where one or two guys messing up every single play and it ruins the entire play. It was a combination of all five of those guys. Although I thought Jesse Davis had some good moments, I think he got better than he did in week one. It's still an experiment out there at left tackle, but the entire group, it's just one thing after another breaking down that causes some of these failures. As far as the defensive line, they're showing a good propensity and a good penchant for picking up the theme of just doing your job. And we saw it with a video I shared on Twitter of Devon Godshaw on a goal line look where his sole job is to dent the center and create a gap for Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker to fill, which they do very beautifully. And you see some of that kind of clicking here for this Dolphins defense, much more than we saw through training camp and into the preseason, and especially in week one. That's encouraging. That's something I'm going to watch. I also like the coverages on the back end, and this was something pretty... Uh, debated on Twitter I saw throughout the week with some beat writers talking about not understanding the coverage concepts. Well, you have to know the coverages to know what they're doing. And I like what they're doing in terms of dropping eight bodies and rushing three and trying to force the quarterback to find these small holes and passing lanes or trying to make these receivers break tackles to convert first downs. And one of the reasons it didn't work was because the execution was crappy. And a lot of that has to do with Eric Rowe, who just isn't understanding what he's doing in these concepts. And he gives up his outside leverage when that's the only part of the field he has to be concerned about. And still he allows Antonio Brown to get his hips turned 
turn to the sideline, turn him around, get 17 yards, convert on a third down and 17. The play calls are working both on offense and defense. These guys just aren't executing it. And to me, that is encouraging going forward. One more note here on the defense, Xavier Howard, my goodness, he is fun to watch. And you can do so much with him. You can man him up into the boundary and play combo zone coverage on the other side to the field. You can have him shadow the opposition's number one receiver. He is just the best cornerback in the game, in my opinion. And there's a great rep, again, on my Twitter timeline from the film study late on Monday night. And I show a rep where the Dolphins basically roll the safety over to the field and leave Xavier Howard one-on-one with no safety help and a two-way go for Josh Gordon into the boundary, the short side of the field. And X mirrors his release. He gets physical at the line of scrimmage and jams him up, doesn't allow him to cross face on the slant, and then runs the route for Josh Gordon and damn near picks it off. He almost got a second pick in the game later on Antonio Brown. This guy is flat-out elite. We lose Laramie Tunzel. He's, I think, going to be a great player. We lost Minka Fitzpatrick, who right now, I'm not sure what he is. I think he's a good player. Definitely not great yet, but I do not want to lose Xavier Howard because this guy can flat ball. He's the best at his position in the league. And then one more note here on the offensive play calling of Chad O'Shea. I went over it on yesterday's podcast talking about the multiple looks and tendency breakers that he issued out there. Well, there was one cool snap. It was third down and one. They were in 22 personnel. So that's two backs, two tight ends, one receiver. They bring the receiver across the formation in motion. And normally when you snap the ball, you let the receiver or the motion man clear the quarterback and the backs so as to not run into them. But the Dolphins quick snapped it and it caused just a moment, a very slight moment of hesitation from the Patriots linebackers and it allowed Miami who was not well blocked on that play to execute the first down because of the play call. This staff to me just gets it. I know it's going to be tough over the season but I have confidence that they'll get it right when they get the right players. The plan in this game was actually really really damn good and that's why they held a very good rushing team to just 3.6 yards per carry before things got wonky in the fourth quarter. Those last two teams the Dolphins just played were two of the best teams in the NFL. Miami's not going to win many games, if any at all this year, but they will compete against some of the teams on the schedule. Like I'm sure they can do just what the Jets did on Monday night and that disaster game against the Browns and keep things close for a little while. You just hope they don't do something crazy and pull out those magical victories, those miracle victories at the end. But again, that's part of the genius plan, pushing talent down the road for future seasons, resetting the club control of the contracts of those young players and assuring yourself the best quarterback prospect since 2012. So finish the job, finish the tank, and as you guys know, Locked On Dolphins is going to have you covered all season long and off season. I'll have film workups on all these new players we're going to have next spring, and I'll continue to evaluate the current team and the scheme being used this season so we can apply those lessons to the new parts we have on the roster next year. I'm actually really, really excited to cover this team. It's going to be an exciting year or so as we unfold this thing. As for today's show, that is going to be my time. We will preview the Dallas game on tomorrow's show, get you updates on the injuries and the current players and what they're doing, and we'll probably do a two-show mailbag for tomorrow as well as Friday's podcast with College Football Friday and the Lock of the Week all on deck. But as for now, you guys all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.
Don't put it out, it's not good.